to know a secret? Well, I have one for you today, a secret that'll change your life. I am Rob West. Well, I hope I captured your attention. Today, I really do have a secret that is life-changing. I'll clue you in just ahead. And then our phone lines are open for your questions on any financial topic. Here's the number, 800-525-7000. We'd love to hear from you. Again, 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Live, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. So what's the big secret? Well, I'll get into that in just a moment. But first, let me remind you that every so often on our Monday program, as we begin our broadcast week, we circle back to first principles, to the foundational teachings of Christian stewardship that should guide our everyday lives. Usually we focus on one of the five things you can do with money. You can earn it, live on it, give it away, owe it to someone or to a business or the government. And finally, you can grow it by saying, saving or investing. So that's earn, live, give, owe, and grow. Very easy to remember. But there is one more thing that relates to all of the others, and that is learning about money and wise stewardship. You can remember that one because learn rhymes with earn. (laughs) As Christians, we are called to be disciples. That's just another term for learner. Our task as disciples is to learn about God and how to honor Him through the way we live. Now, of course, a big part of that is learning to manage the resources He entrusts to us, including money. We can learn many practical things about money management, such as about budgeting and saving and investing and so on. But we also need to learn to have a proper attitude toward money and material things. And that's where this big secret comes in. The Apostle Paul tells us about it in Philippians chapter 4. He writes this, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with plenty or little. For I can do everything through the one who gives me strength. Did you catch that? The secret he has learned is the secret of living in every situation. Even when he doesn't have everything he might want to have, he has learned the secret of being content. Now, the reason this is a secret is not that anyone is trying to hide it. It's simply that relatively few people have applied this to their lives. We live in a discontented world in which many people never seem satisfied with what they have. Well, that's our fallen nature, I suppose, and advertisers appeal to that nature by getting us to want more. There's a car commercial running now that features a song called Gotta Have It. The message is, you gotta have this new car. And when a new model phone comes out, we're encouraged to get rid of our old phones, which probably aren't that old, and get the latest and greatest. I'm not saying new things are bad, but I am suggesting that those of us seeking to be faithful stewards should take a step back and wrestle with this question of contentment. Note that Paul said he had learned how to be content. Contentment doesn't come naturally. It's something we must seek from the Lord. But I also think we need to start saying no to the cultural continual push that tries to amplify discontent. 
Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying you should never buy anything or that you can't spend money on a new gadget or a pleasurable vacation. What I am saying is that we need to examine our motives. Does discontentment drive our purchasing decisions? Are we envious of others because they may have more than we do? Do we think I would be content if only I had this or that? You know, we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving soon. And so there's probably no better time to be talking about the issue of contentment. Giving thanks is one of the ways we can practice contentment. When we say, thank you, Lord, for providing for my family and me. Thank you for giving me a job. Thank you that we have a roof over our heads and food on our table. We begin to realize how blessed we are. And I think that'll go a long way to helping us learn, as the Apostle Paul learned, to be content with whatever he had. As I said, becoming a good steward involves learning many practical things about effective money management. But don't neglect the attitudinal thing, learning to be content. It really is a secret that'll change your life. I'm Rob West. Thanks so much for joining us on today's program. By the way, if you have a money-related question, well, we're here to help. Call now, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Live, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Oh, so thankful you've decided to join us today for Money Wise Live, where we apply the wisdom from God's Word to your financial decisions and choices. I'm Rob West, your host. We'll be taking your calls and questions here on anything financial in just a moment. Our team is standing by with lines open. The number to call is 800-525-7000. That's right. You can get through right now, 800-525-7000. In just a moment, we'll be in Tampa and Rolla, Missouri. But first, uh, let me invite you to be a financial supporter of this ministry between now and the end of the year. In fact, as we press toward December 31st, meaning our financial goals here in November and then again next month in December are going to be critical to us finishing the year strong and planning for our ministry activities next year. MoneyWise Media, this broadcast and all that we do through the app and the web and through our coaches, it's all as a result of your listener support. We're a not-for-profit ministry and we would invite you to become a supporter of this ministry if you consider yourself a part of the MoneyWise family. It's easy to do online at moneywise.org. Just click the Give button. Again, that's moneywise.org. Just click Give. You'll find ways to give online safely and securely. You'll also find ways that you can uh, give through the mail or over the toll-free number that uh, is provided by connecting with one of our team members. Thanks in advance for anything you can do to support this work. And again, moneywise.org, click the Give button is the easiest way to find all that you need. All right, we'll head to the phones today. The lines are filling up, so let's get started. Rolla, Missouri. Chase, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Hi, Rob. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, So my wife is two months pregnant. And Congratulations. I'm really, well, thank you. I'm really nervous about paying for all of it. Um, <laughs> I have an HSA that has about $2,000 in it, but I'm wondering, yeah. you know, when we get those big hospital bills, uh, should I just drain the account to pay for it? Or if I can pay it in a plan uh, and then be able to pay with my contributions as I go, what would be the best strategy there? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, anything that's covered, uh, you want to 
you know, try to make sure that the insurance is kicking in. Uh, you, of course, have a high deductible health care plan. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So you would naturally want to submit all of your expenses to your health plan and then use the HSA funds for only those things that are not covered by insurance. The good news is that anything that's not covered by insurance, uh, your HSA is eligible to be used for uh, many of the expenses involved with a pregnancy and all of the expenses related to the birth of a child. Uh, all of those would be eligible. So you'd submit the bills and then as uh, you know, expenses are then incurred back to you, uh, then that would be the use for your HSA funds for whatever's there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Hey, congratulations, Chase, and all the best to you and your wife in this upcoming new season with the birth of your child. Thanks for your call today. 800-525-7000 to Tampa. Beverly, you're next on the program. Go right ahead. Hi, Beverly. Go right ahead. Beverly, are you with us? Yes, sir. Okay, great. Turn down your radio uh, just a bit for me, and uh, then I'll let you. Okay, great. I'll let you go ahead with your question then. Thank you. Yes, so I I am in a bind. I'm a little confused what to do. So my question is, um, I wanted to pay off some debt, so I wanted to know if I should get a home equity loan or I should just sell the house that I live in and get something smaller and use whatever, you know, left over to help me um, pay off my debts. But with the housing market being the way it is and the high interest rate, I'm afraid. So I'm not sure what to do. Yeah. And I'll just say right at the outset here, this is Beverly, what we call a binary trap. And what that means is we put two options next to each other and we say, which one's better, this one or that one? And it may be a third. So let's look at the whole picture and see if we can find the best path forward for you. You mentioned your goal is to pay off some debt. Tell me about that debt. What do you have? Well, well, the debt is a marriage settlement that I have to pay off for seventy-five thousand. So, in order to um, to um, able to get out of the marriage, was that they had put on the table the other side that they wanted a hundred thousand. Anyway, my lawyer was able to do whatever, try to fight as hard as he could. So, he came down to seventy-five. You know, include the closing wow. costs of that loan if yeah, if it comes through. So, I'd have to pay back that seventy-five thousand dollars. Okay, so, so the, this was essentially, that's, that's uh, the, the settlement way. was related to the equity in the home that became uh, uh, a benefit to your husband. Is that where the 75000 came from? It came from a marriage settlement. So I had, I had, um, the, I wanted to stay in the home because it's been, it was my retirement home that I bought yeah. for, bought and I've been sitting there. So it was where, it was my forever home. So I wanted to stay in it. So I decided to buy the East Park. So the settlement on the, on the old divorce procedure was 75. I see. And do you have a, a mortgage on the property currently? Yes, sir. I said okay, roughly, well, roughly 200000 Okay. And what do you think the home is worth? I'd say about um, three fifty. About 350000 And um, how many more years do you have on that $200,000 loan? Um, I would say about another 10 years. Another 10 years. Okay. And so it's got a pretty attractive interest rate on it, probably? Yeah, 2%. 2%. Wow, yeah, that's phenomenal. 
Okay. Um, yeah, the challenge is, it sounds like, well, let me ask before I weigh in. Do you have any other debts? No, that's it. Okay. Yeah, the challenge is, I understand you wanted to keep it, and your uh, lawyer was able to negotiate a reduced amount. Basically, you're splitting the equity, it sounds like, in this home, um, and your portion of that is going to be $75,000 that you're sharing uh, with your husband's or ex-husband's so you can keep the home. The challenge is you don't have the financial resources to buy him out, which is the unfortunate part of this. Uh, tell me about your budget. Do you have much left over at the end of the month after the bills are paid? No, no. the budget that I have, I'm on Social Security, and I can't even pay my bills with that. I, 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 I'm able to pay my mortgage through Social Security. I'm able to do that and pay, you know, just minor bills, you know, like my life insurance, you know, just stuff that really matters. But the important stuff, that, but like utilities and food, I'm struggling with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so buying your husband out of this 75,000 is really not an option. Um, because, you know, if you were to take on a home equity loan, which I wouldn't recommend, uh, or a line of credit, you'd have a very high interest rate on a $75,000 note. It would be a, a very, well, you wouldn't qualify for it in the first place. And even if you did, you wouldn't be able to service the note. So I don't think that's an option. It sounds like really the only way to satisfy this obligation that you have through the divorce settlement is by a, a home sale. Um, I'm just based on what I'm hearing about your budget, the assets, that you have and the fact that you're already kind of upside down in your monthly spending plan tells me that, you know, option one is really not even possible in terms of getting a loan on that. So that means we got to sell it, unfortunately, because I realize the whole objective is for you to be able to hang on to it. And then at that point, I think, you know, clearly if you were to pull out, let's say uh, 125000 out of this after expenses... Um, and you were to then take and, and pay off your husband out of that, you'd still have 50000 you could put in the bank. And the idea would be probably that you'd want to start renting and then maybe convert that to an income stream or try to dial your expenses back so you can balance the budget uh, at that point and then either just continue to rent or look to buy something else down the road. Uh, perhaps get a part-time job to try to build up some savings. But at this point, getting a loan uh, is not going to be an option. Stay on the line. We'll talk some more off the air, and we'll be right back. Thanks for joining us today on MoneyWise Live. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions as we apply the wisdom from God's Word to your financial decisions. Not so we can enrich ourselves and build bigger barns, but so that we can understand God's heart as it relates to money. We all manage money every day. And the question is, does it reflect our values and priorities? Are we using it in a way that advances the kingdom? Are we building our own mini kingdoms here on earth, or are we building God's kingdom with an eternal perspective, enjoying what God has given us, providing for our families, but also participating in God's activity through our giving and using money as a tool to accomplish His purposes? Well, that's the heart of the matter here at MoneyWise Live each day, and together we gather uh, to answer questions and talk about how we can uh, address the financial concerns we have each day, but using the wisdom from the Bible, not taking our cues from this world. We've got a few lines open at 800-525-7000, continuing uh, with our calls here back to Tennessee. Shelly, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Yes, I have three credit cards, and one I owe like $700 on at 10% interest, 
I have another one I owe two thousand on and another one I owe two thousand on. And I was wondering what would be your suggestion to um pay those off quickly yeah. or which one I should pay off first. Sure. That's a great question, uh, Shelley. The interest rates on the $2,000 cards, are they pretty high? Yes, they are very high. Okay, like north of 20%? Yeah, they're 27, yeah, at least wow. 27. Yeah, yes. wow. Okay. And uh, how much margin do you have at the end of the month after the bills are paid and the minimums on all these cards? Do you have anything left over? No. Not okay, usually, so no. Kind of right up to the edge. So you're basically just sending the minimum payments, correct? Pretty much. Okay. Uh, do you think there's an opportunity to cut back spending, eliminate subscriptions, cut back on eating out, discretionary spending? I mean, have you taken a hard look at this budget to see if you could cut back on your spending and try to free up more that could be sent to the credit cards? Yes, I, I probably could. I could probably do that, eliminate my cable or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And then do you have any kind of emergency savings right now? No. Okay. Well, here's where I would go with this. You're right at the threshold with 4,700 of debt, especially without much in the way of margin to send extra. You're really at a good place to use what uh, is called debt management or credit counseling. Are you familiar with those terms? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so anything over 4000 it really makes sense, especially in a situation like this. I mean, if you said, listen, I've got you know $500 extra a month I can apply to these, you'd probably just want to do it yourself. We'd knock out that smallest balance first, even though it's the lowest interest rate, and then you'd just keep right going down the line until they're all paid off, and a year from now you'd be out of debt. But because you're kind of living paycheck to paycheck, that's where debt management really shines. So essentially these accounts would be closed. Um, they would be reduced. And you wouldn't have to put all three in. If you wanted to keep the one at 10% out, you could. But if you're comfortable closing them all, you'd put them into debt management. Uh, Through credit counseling, the interest rates are lowered, and that's really essential. And then you'd send one monthly payment direct to Christian Credit Counselors, our preferred nonprofit debt management company. Uh, They would then distribute a portion to each of the three, and a combination of that fixed level monthly payment plus the reduced interest rates will allow you to pay this off 80% faster. And you'll also have some encouragement, I think, Shelley, because right now you're probably sending these minimum payments and not seeing a whole lot in the way of these balances declining, which is frustrating. But when you start to see yourself making some progress through that monthly payment every month and you realize the balances are coming down, now all of a sudden you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and feel like, okay, I can see how I can be out of debt over time. And I think that's really going to be the best solution for you. The other thing that they'll do is work with you on your spending plan to look for areas to cut back because I'd also like for you to build up an emergency fund of somewhere between $1,000 and $1,500. It might take several months to do it, but that's going to be key because when the unexpected comes, and it will, Shelly, I don't want you to have to rely on credit cards anymore. I want you to have some money and savings ready to go to be able to cover that. Let's break the cycle, and then once we get you out of debt, uh, then we'll build that up to three to six months expenses. And now all of a sudden we're starting to take this extra money every month and putting it into a retirement account or something else that, you know, is positive, that's building your, your net worth, um, you know, that you can use down the road. How does that sound? Well, that sounds pretty good. That sounds yeah. pretty good. Okay. So what I would do um, is reach I out. I have another quick question. If I got okay. like a part-time job or something, 
what would you suggest if I could do that? What would you suggest in that area? Which one should I work on first? Which card? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, if you had a lot of extra income and you didn't want to go through debt management, as much as it might surprise you, I'd say let's knock out the $700 first. And the reason is that's going to give you the motivation to keep going. If the balances are roughly the same on the next two, they're both right at 2000 then I'd choose the one with the highest interest rate to go out, go after second. And then once that one's gone, then put all the money, the minimums from the first two, plus all the surplus from your second job, I'd put that on the third, the, the third of the debts, the 2000 with the lower interest rate. Yes, because I had been offered a job, but I haven't accepted it yet because okay. of the situation that I'm having to deal with my parents right now. So I see. But, um, I could, now, keep I in could mind, if you decided to go through debt management, you can accelerate these payments at any time. So you could go and get the, the interest rates down, start sending a level monthly payment, and then if you decided to take the job and you got an extra... 200 or $500 a month, you'd send it on and they'd send it right on to the creditors and get those balances reduced. So that would still be an option through debt management. But at the end of the day, you need to do what's going to work for you. I just want you to get this paid off as quick as you can. If you want to pursue the debt management option, uh, you can find our friends at christiancreditcounselors.org. They've worked with hundreds of our MoneyWise listeners, and the testimonies are incredible because they're believers. They know what they're doing. They're good at it. And this is my preferred way to get out of credit card debt when you have at least 4000 or more. Again, ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Shelly, all the best to you in the days ahead. I'm confident you can do this. Just stay at it. And once you're out of debt once and for all, let's get that emergency fund up so we don't ever have to go back to uh, using credit cards for any expenses that aren't budgeted and can't be paid off at the end of the month in full. God bless you. Hey, Jim, Susan, Michael, we're coming your way just around the corner. This is Money Wise Live. We'll be right back. Hey, great to have you with us today on Money Wise Live. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions. Look like Looks like we have two lines open, 800-525-7000. Hey, before we go back to the phones, have you downloaded and tried the Money Wise app yet? If not, you're missing out, especially now when it's harder than ever to stay on budget and make sure that where our dollars are going actually reflect what's most important to us. Larry Burkett's tried and true envelope system has worked for decades. We took it and made a modern, beautiful expression of it in a digital form in the palm of your hand. It's called the MoneyWise app, and alongside it, you'll find our community where you can post questions and get responses from others on the stewardship journey. Also, our Learn tab where you can find the best content in Christian finance. It's all in the MoneyWise app in your app store. Check it out today on our website at moneywise.org. Click App or just head to your app store wherever you download them and search for MoneyWise Biblical Finance. All right, back to the phones we go to Miami, Florida. Hey, Jim, how can I help you, sir? Yes, uh, yeah, I just had a quick question. I'm getting uh, ready to get a large settlement uh, due to an injury that I had about four years ago. Um, it's roughly around 600 k I'm 36 years old. Uh, and I have about 130 in debt. That's including mortgage, car notes, and I don't know where to go from here. I do have a, uh, a financial advisor lined up, um, but I, I need more information. 
Okay. Well, um, what are you sensing? What do you think you want to do moving forward? And what are your main questions at this point? Well, um, I mean, I am disabled, uh, but I chose to continue working. That uh, I want to build uh, a little bit for my, I have two daughters, so I want to build a little bit for them and uh, just pay off my debt and then just live modestly. I, you know, um, go kind of go from there. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I think you're on the right track here. I love the idea that you're not trying to raise your lifestyle as a result of receiving this large payout as a relatively young guy with a family. Um, I think the key is, yeah, let's use it for productive purposes, which in my mind is absolutely let's pay down or eliminate debt. That's always a good idea. That's going to free up quite a bit of margin every month and allow you to have a lot more flexibility because you're completely unencumbered. And then let's put it to work. Uh, Let's also not forget opportunities for giving as well. Um, Now, I'm delighted to hear that even though this is a result uh, of being disabled, you are able to continue to work. That's great. Um, and, um, you know, I'm delighted to hear that. So I think the key is, uh, number one, uh, doing some financial planning. And I would encourage you to use an advisor who shares your values, who understands kind of your what um, is most important to you as a believer so that you can consider giving opportunities, but also what this means for your long-term savings and investing. Uh, you're going to want to make sure you handle the tax side of this. You'll want to be um, you know, wise in eliminating that debt. And then the key from that point forward is to say, how should we invest this? How much risk do we want to take? What is our time horizon? Do we want to take a portion of this and carve it out for college and maybe put it into a 529 plan? Or Do we want to put it all in longer term investments for the future? And then, you know, as a part of that planning, defining enough, because given the fact that you're a young guy, you already, uh, you know, on your way to saving for retirement. Now you'll be debt free and you'll have this kind of big uh, lump sum coming your way. The question is, how much is enough? And, you know, what are you ultimately trying to accumulate? And at what point will you be done saving so that you are free to give more away? Um, because it's not about the mindless accumulation of wealth. It's about accumulating wealth for a purpose. And that's in light of our values and priorities and our time on our knees, you know, before the Lord asking him what he's called us to uh, in this life. So I think you're on the right track here, and I would really, you know, find that advisor, perhaps the one you've already selected, that can help you work through all of this, both from a financial planning standpoint and then ultimately an investment management standpoint so that this money is prudently invested based on your goals and objectives and a properly diversified portfolio. And then somebody who's not emotional, uh, you know, uh, related to this money can make sure that that investment strategy is enacted over time, regardless of what the market does in the next six months or a year. Does all that make sense? Yes, absolutely. It does. I just wanted to have a little bit of guidance and I think you've given it to me. Good. Glad to hear it. If you want to uh, consider another advisor or two before you make that final decision, you can head to our website, moneywise.org, and connect with some certified kingdom advisors there in Miami. If you've already made that decision, that's great. I think uh, getting some wise counsel, Jim, given the changes that are taking place and the significance of the money that's coming your way is very prudent and uh, wise on your part. And so I would uh, follow that through and listen, all the best to you. I hope you uh, continue to recover, my friend. And We appreciate you being a part of the program. 800-525-7000 to Michigan. Susan, you're next on the program. Go right ahead. 
Hi, thanks for your uh, taking my question. I yeah. have a sibling who uh, has fallen apart in hard times. He has never been a good money manager, number one, but his wife passed away, and he came to learn that um, she put their mortgage on, uh, I guess, forbearance uh, and extended yes. for a while. Right. And that note has come due. Evidently, their mortgage was sold to a broker, and the broker is telling them to pay like $10,000, and then um, they'll put that six months that's due on the back end of the loan. I just don't know if this is the right thing to do because um, my sibling does not manage money very well at all. And he he's not speaking to me directly. He's having this all dealt with his stepchildren. And I'm a little uncomfortable. Now, I, yeah. I have the money, but I don't know that doing this is going to be helpful. And the house is, the value is uh, like $30,000 worth more than what they owe. And oh, I wow. suggested what you had, and uh, I, I suggested maybe selling it and getting what he can and moving into an apartment similar to what you suggested to an earlier caller. Yes. But he doesn't want to leave the house. Yeah, yeah. So what do I uh, do? Why, yeah, why is he not talking to you directly about this, Susan? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He keeps saying, well, his daughter-in-law or his, yeah, his stepdaughter knows all about it. And he doesn't know enough about it to speak about it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, that those are all red flags to me. I mean, everything you've said is, is a red flag where you're throwing good money after bad in the sense that it's never a bad thing to help somebody in need. The problem is you're not really helping someone who mishandles money by giving them more. And sometimes we have to experience the consequences of our decisions to start making better ones. And the worst thing that can happen to your sibling in this case is foreclosure. And that's not the end of the world. People recover from that all the time, usually much wiser because they learn something from it. Uh, you've obviously got to consider your relationship as well. And uh, you do need to think about that. You want to do whatever you're going to do in love with clear and open and honest communication. But I don't think the automatic response here is just to throw money in this situation because you have no reason to believe that money's not going to be eaten up in legal fees because he's not going to keep this current and all of a sudden it gets foreclosed on anyway except now you've just thrown some money down the drain. So I think he needs to be willing to sit with you and talk about a plan and perhaps bring a third party in that can walk alongside you all. You can say, listen, I want to be a part of the solution, but only in the context of a plan with accountability that makes sense. Because otherwise, I'm not helping you or myself, and that doesn't honor the Lord. Uh, I've got to take a quick break, Susan. If you'll hold, I'd love to get your thoughts right on the other side of this. We'll be right back. We're delighted to have you with us today on MoneyWise Live. I'm Rob West. This is where we apply God's word to your financial decisions. Just before the break, we were talking to Susan. Susan 
has a sibling that is asking for some help to bail him out of a home that's upside down. It's been in forbearance. That money is now going to be applied to the back end. He's not really communicating with her. She feels uncomfortable about sharing these funds with him, despite her ability to help and her desire to do so if she knew that it was going to be used for productive purposes. But Susan, as I shared before the break, I think the key here is to recognize that you're not helping someone who mishandles money by giving them more. And oftentimes it's experiencing the consequences of these decisions that perhaps the Lord will use to get him on a better path. Uh, Also, the big red flag for me is that he's not even willing to communicate with you about this. He's going through uh, uh, other people in the family. But give me your thoughts on what I shared. Um, I, your, your comments resonate with what I've been battling with inside. Uh, my only question is, is it, can he still sell the house outright if it's in foreclosure? Well, he'd have to do, uh, he's possible that he could get it out of foreclosure. He'd have to work with the lender. Keep in mind, they don't want to foreclose if they don't have to. Uh, So he could convert it to what's called a short sale, which is basically a recognition that there's going to be a deficiency balance left over at the end because the home is upside down. Uh, But they're going to want to maximize the amount they can get out of it. And if him selling it would help them to get more out of it, it's possible, depending upon what stage it's in, for this money to be pulled out of foreclosure closure, but he's going to have to immediately begin working with and communicating with the lender to see if they'd be willing to put this on the market and get it sold as a short sale. And that is an option, but he's going to have to you know, move on that pretty quickly. Okay. Okay. Well, thank All right. you. All right, Susan, listen, uh, you be praying about this because we'll ask the Lord to give you some wisdom here as you navigate this. We obviously want the relationship to come out stronger. We want him to, you know, perhaps have an encounter with the Lord as a result of this and as he sees his need and dependence for a Savior. And uh, we also want him to get on a healthy financial track. And we'll uh, just pray that the Lord uses you in that process. And I know it's not easy, so you hang in there. Thanks for your call today. Uh, Before we head back to the phones, it's uh, Monday and our final segment. We're joined each Monday by Bob Dahl, Chief Investment Officer at Crossmark Global Investments. Bob shares his market commentary and analysis with us uh, each week. Bob, great to have you uh, with us as we start a fresh week. What are you looking at this week? You know, watching uh, lots of things. Uh, in particular, um, does the market continue to move higher, Rob, as it did uh, post the good inflation numbers or less bad inflation numbers and the market rocketed? Um, we'll be watching that. Obviously, any hints from the Fed about what they're going to do? They're watching uh, all kinds of things as well. The employment numbers, the uh, um, inflationary underlying kinds of numbers. Uh, we're just about finished third quarter earnings. So um, their earnings picture is um, slowly coming down. The S&P 500 earnings fell a dollar again last week, estimates for 2023. So slowly but surely, the number is eroding. Yeah, we're in this really unusual spot, right, Bob, where we want to see inflation coming down. Part of the uh, economic data we want to see is a a slight rise in the unemployment, which is an unusual situation, because the big idea we want to see, at least the Fed is looking for, is that this economy is slowing, correct? Exactly. It's it's um, good news uh, is bad news and bad news is good news. You don't want to operate in that zone too long, but that's exactly where we find ourselves. Maybe a little bit of bad news. How's that? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Bob, what do you think, just based on where we are today in terms of the prospect of a 2023 recession, let's say, versus your thoughts on this six months ago? Yeah, the probability is higher today than it was um, a bunch of months ago, Rob, because inflation's moved up and stayed there longer despite the uh, relatively good news last week. And that just puts the Fed in a box. They're between the proverbial rock and hard place. The rock is obviously inflation, too high, too long, too high. Uh, The uh, hard place is, oh, my goodness, I don't want a lot of people to lose their jobs. And that's a tough balancing act. Yeah, it sure is. All right, Bob, uh, what are your thoughts on what's going on in the crypto markets? I'd love for you to weigh in on this. I mean, obviously, we saw one of the crypto exchanges implode last week. Uh, I know you and I have talked about uh, that this is really akin to the wild, wild west. And although uh, the blockchain probably is here to stay, it doesn't mean we need to put our real investment dollars anywhere near it. Uh, I'd love your comments. Uh, you, you summarized it well. Blockchain, there is a technology there. It is here to stay. But we don't know the winners versus the losers. It's still a speculative piece of the market, as we've seen this last week or so. Uh, and so fortunes are made and fortunes are lost. And we tend to only, only hear about the people that make money in these things. But lots of people are speculating. As a portfolio manager, Rob, I think you know me long enough. If I can't fully analyze it, I'm not going there with my client's money. So I I still think it's a roll of the dice, crypto land. Yeah, I'd stay away from it. Uh, Bob, finally, uh, we know a little bit more today than perhaps last week on the outcome of these midterms. Looks like, uh, well, the Senate will remain in control of the Democrats. They obviously have the presidency. Likely outcome is that the um, Republicans will have the House. Does that change anything with regard to the market really wanting to see somewhat of a balance of power so that there's not a lot of new legislation coming? Yes, I think if it goes the way you said, which is the high probability, uh, the market will say, ah, gridlock, they can't do much, that's good news. If, on the other hand, in the small probability the Democrats retain the House as well, I think the market will not react well, because then we have unified government again. Who would have thunk it, um, given all the uh, uh, polls, as well as the, I mean, 75% of Americans think the U.S. is going in the wrong direction. So you would think that the incumbent party, in this case the Democrats, uh, would lose a lot of seats, but that didn't happen for a whole bunch of reasons. We'll leave for another day. Yeah. All right, Bob. Always appreciate your insights, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. All the best. Bye-bye. All right. Check out Bob's Dolls Deliberations at CrossmarkGlobal.com. You can sign up for his weekly email that I rely on for his market analysis. Again, Bob Dahl, Chief Investment Officer at CrossmarkGlobal.com. Back to the phones we go to Rock Island, Illinois. Michael, you've been very patient, sir. Go right ahead. Yeah, thank you for the call. I, I appreciate the uh, time. So I'm, I'm sure. looking at uh, right now my wife and I, we have $33,000 in savings. And we're looking at a property, an investment property close by, um, hopefully to buy uh, from about fifteen to about $20,000 top. Um, my question is, is um, this is a potential for a rental, but also for a flip and sell. And I, I'm, I'm more hesitant about the flip and sell considering property, um, considering capital gains tax and, and whatnot. But um, what, what, what's the best option here? What, what is the most attractive option if we were able to get this, this property? Yeah. Uh, Well, 
You know, I, I think there's a couple of questions to be answered first. And the first is, uh, so you guys would, you know, not drain your emergency savings, but let's say it's, you know, down to 10 to 13,000. Uh, what does your cash flow look like versus your expenses on a monthly basis? And what does that mean just in terms of your ability to build that back up and have some margin there? Yeah, so right now, um, we are, basically, we are paying all of our bills at about $2,400 a month. Um, we get about $1,400 a month extra uh, in income. So we're looking at about uh, $1,400 every month. Um, so that, that's why our, our savings has actually grown. We haven't touched it okay. Uh, okay. since that started happening. And you think you could add more than 1000 a month, correct? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. And- all right. And obviously, you know, our antennas go up anytime you say I'm going to buy a piece of property for 15 to 20,000. So tell me about that and how much you'd need to put it in in it to get it to a place where you could rent it out. Yeah, so so basically this is uh this is a property that was uh, bought on a, sa- a tax sale uh from a, a private company. Um they usually make their money on taxes um or on the uh the uh, interest rate. I take that back. Yeah. The interest rate on it. And then they sell. Um just had multiple conversations. Um, we're looking at that uh, price range basically um, because we're pretty sure that's what it's going to cost. Um, in the end, I think uh, if we can put some equity, sweat equity into it, um, turn it around, it's been unoccupied for about three years. Uh, but if we can put some sweat equity into it, uh, turn it around, I think uh, I think we're looking about five to ten thousand dollars uh putting into it if everything's working well uh, we're talking about if it still has a functioning ac uh functioning hvac um you know some of the other stuff i'm very well acquainted with in terms of making fixes myself so that's a yeah. that's a benefit there with a lot of sweat equity so. Yeah. I guess my only concern is, um, you know, obviously when you buy these properties in this case on an auction, you're generally not able to inspect them uh, before bidding. Uh, you typically need a pretty healthy cash reserve, which just to buy it, we'd be draining a good bit of that. And even though you have, you know, 1200 a month extra and you're going to do a lot of it yourself, I think you need to expect that it's going to need more work than you expected, given how long it's sat vacant and it's going to take more time than you expected, perhaps to get it to a place where it is viable as a rental, you could, in effect, drain your cash reserves, which just puts you in a bit of a difficult spot. I mean, if, if you're able to wait and buy another property down the road after you've you know, built these reserves up a little bit more, I would be more comfortable with that. If you did go ahead with it, obviously, you just want to make sure that you know, you want to be a landlord and all that comes with that, both getting it to the place where it is able to be rented and then beyond that, maintaining it, dealing with, uh, you know, the repairs that come along the way. And, uh, you know, right now, if you sell it within a year, it's going to be essentially uh, taxed at the same rate as your ordinary income versus a long-term cap gain at 15%. Well, the delta between the two, you just have to ask, is it worth it? for me to become a landlord or would I be better off just flipping it and selling it and moving on to the next one rather than putting a lot of money in it uh, just given how much time goes into all of that not to mention the time and effort in being a landlord so I think you have some things to think about I'd probably take the conservative route and punt on this and maybe get another one down the road but uh, some things to think about if you guys decide to proceed thanks for your call Money Wise Live is a partnership between Moody Radio and Money Wise Media thank you to my team today and thank you for being here as well we'll see you again tomorrow. God bless you.